Welcome to 3M's Inside Angle podcast. This is your host, Gordon Moore. And today I am speaking with Juggy Jagannathan, and he is a inventor. He is a researcher. He is a professor of artificial intelligence and understanding language and how machines can use language to do things for us that are beyond human capacity. Welcome, Juggy. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing to be on. A reason I thought to reach out and speak with you is that I'm fascinated by the work that you're doing in the intersection of artificial intelligence and healthcare, and how in a blog I read of yours, you're talking about advances in technology and understanding and the capacity, and that makes me think about the evolution of, of healthcare and how we're constantly improving uh, so I'd, I'd like to hear you talk some about that. What do you think? Well, it's been a really crazy time uh, with respect to the evolution of the technology and, and AI in particular. And uh, I've been in the field of AI for four decades now. And it's gone up and down. And in the early 80s, uh, there was a AI hype. And, uh, and then there was an AI winter uh, and uh, this past decade, there's been a significant progress in uh, in machine learning and deep learning, a specific type of technology which tries to mimic human, human brains. And that has led to unprecedented evolution of different solutions uh, across the spectrum. And uh, it's really an exciting time. And... Uh, it's been fascinating to see what's happening on this front. So tell me, I mean, you've been into it for four decades. I'm thinking that's almost back, like, you know, <laughs> the dawn of computing age. Of course, I know that's not true. But, you know, I've, as I think that there must have been rather a remarkable evolution. And you talked about things uh, going through a winter. Just tell me briefly what you meant by that. The earlier systems used to be called uh, expert systems. And the way they worked was uh, they basically... Uh, looked at how to embody the expertise of a human uh, into algorithms. And that's how they all evolved. And th those systems turned out to be fairly brittle and uh, they didn't stand up to the hype uh, that people thought it would solve everything. But uh, now we have this deep learning wave and it basically relies on lots and lots of data uh, so if you want to recognize a cat, you show a million images of a cat and it'll recognize a cat in every, every aspect you can think of. And so with the uh, explosion of data that is available and with the explosion of uh, capacity in the technology, the, the solutions that you see are, are just progressing at a rapid clip. I like to think of them as uh, axis of evolution. In one hand, the computing powers are exploding rapidly. Uh, the, uh, the capacity to do more and more in, uh, in shorter and shorter uh, time is expanding rapidly. The sensors are evolving rapidly. The, um, the, the hardware, the uh, augmented reality, the, uh, so uh, and 3D printing. There is all kinds of evolution on the hardware axis. The, the algorithmic axis is what I would like to think of as something which is progressing independently, which is also making 
lots of applications possible. You, you're, you're, you're seeing applications on in a, almost every aspect of healthcare. Uh, and uh, uh, later on, maybe I'll go through uh, the, the smorgasbord of applications that are out there. Uh, from an algorithm smart point, I like, I like to come back to it again uh, to give you the nuances of how those things impact the solutions that we are now seeing uh, with deep learning in healthcare. The other aspect which is also evolving is the workflow aspect of it. The, the types of workflow that you're going to see are going to be enabled by technology. You're going to have coordination of care. You're, you're going to have telemedicine. Uh, you're going to have uh, uh, care being provided at homes. Uh, and and these kinds of evolution of the technology side, uh, the workflow side of it, uh, makes the context of the solutions which are being provided uh, more meaningful and more effective. And the last but not the least is the regulatory aspect uh, that we, needs to evolve to support all of these technologies to actually benefit the, the patient at the center of uh, our universe. Tell me more about the the, the last aspect. The, the regulatory aspect? Yeah. How, how is that? Uh, I'll, I'll express the, the nature of my concern. What I, I have this perception that the technology and process improvements and quality improvement are far ahead of the regulatory uh, payments policies that are confined healthcare. So, for instance, you mentioned telemedicine, where I see that there's a, a huge lag between what's known to be good for patients and how we pay for telemedicine. And when I think about AI, you know, I, I think maybe this is not a place where there's that much regulation. Is that what you're talking about? Well, there is, uh, there is some regulation. For instance, the FDA has approved a lot of the imaging modality uh, solutions which are coming out there. Uh, I've, I've seen a document on, uh, that the FDA is looking at uh, how, do you actually, uh, how do you accelerate uh, new drug discovery that is coming through the AI pipelines. So there's th there is those kinds of regulations, but then I do agree with you. I remember uh, being involved in a telemedicine uh, application in 1993, and even to this date, uh, the, uh, the payment systems hasn't caught up with it. But Medicare and Medicaid are actually uh, getting to a point where they are supporting these kinds of regulatory reform in the name of value-based care and in the name of um, capitated payments or uh, what have you. Uh, but the I do agree that uh, uh, people need to take a look at how to uh, allow the AI solutions to, to flourish. But you have to keep in mind that almost 95% of the AI solutions out there uh, has to be of the nature of augmenting a physician or augmenting a healthcare worker to do what they do and to help them uh, uh, and to nudge them along in the direction of uh, doing the right thing at the right time at the right place. So the AI technology should be, at least in healthcare, should be largely viewed as assistive technologies. Uh, they are not going to take over the role of a physician anytime soon. Uh, even in the areas like radiology, their role is to actually look at what the AI is suggesting and, and incorporate it into what they are doing. And the, and the reason why I'm saying that is the solutions that AI currently have, and probably for some period of time, is point solutions. I mean, you, uh, 
you uh, you develop a deep learning algorithm to um, uh, very accurately diagnose say pneumonia but the next disease uh, not so much you might be able to selectively uh, screen and get right solution for a person with a particular disease that's not a real solution which will work in a real workflow uh, so a lot of the ai solutions tend to be very deep and very specific and uh, um, so it needs to be in the context of a workflow and uh, for the foreseeable future it will be basically augmenting what the physician does so um, uh, even people like radiologists don't have to fear that their jobs are going away the jobs will change and what they do will change um, in fairly qualitative and quantitative ways but uh, from a regulatory perspective, going back to your question, the, uh, uh, they need to facilitate the payment reform so that the, uh, these technologies can be adopted fairly easily. Yeah, I want to. I want to actually now pivot into what you're describing in terms of the, the going very deep. It's my impression, as I look into AI in healthcare, at least, uh, that the solutions are so focused and so discreet that it becomes challenging to think about bringing on uh, a solution that does only one small thing well, but leaves so much else on the table. So, you know, if I'm a if I'm a radiology department or a hospital and I bring on an AI solution that's terrific at mammography, if mammography is the bulk of what I do, that's terrific. But if it's just one of many, many, many things, then I start to wonder if I need now another solution for looking at chest x-rays to diagnose pneumonia or uh, head scans to look at look for signs of stroke or hemorrhage and and then i think the promise of ai seems to be so grand you know maybe grandiose and the delivery is so narrow and you know and then i wonder if that has something to do with my experience you know years ago looking at some of the voice recognition stuff that that ends up putting out so much error that i have to spend all this time editing and cleaning up are are these Issues linked? I, I guess they are, um, but uh, uh, if your uh, if your experience with speech recognition ten years ago was that there was so much errors that uh, you're better off just typing it yourself, but look at the speech recognition now. They uh, they are like ninety nine percent correct for lots of most people, right? And uh, so the, the technologies have evolved. And uh, the the issue with uh, uh, the radiology fairly deep. Uh, is related to this notion of uh, you need lots of data, right? If you want uh, a ma a machine learning, deep learning neural network to recognize a cat, you need to show ten tens of thousands of cats. And if you look at it from a human standpoint, no human learns like that, right? You, uh, uh, you show him a few cats and you immediately generalize. Um, and this capacity to generalize is fairly human and fairly unique. Uh, and this is the kind of technology innovation people are working at right now is how do you actually learn from less data uh, than what we have? So uh, from a training perspective, I I'll go back to uh, diving deep into this whole notion. Uh, instead of showing 10,000 cats, uh, can you show only f uh, a, a few hundred cats? And uh, you not only recognize the cat, but then you you transfer this idea of how you generalize to recognizing dogs. Uh, so th there is this whole concept of transfer learning, 
which is now taking off in the uh, in the area of, of the deep learning algorithmic uh, side of evolution. And the idea is to use unsupervised learning techniques. So uh, for instance, um, you have lots and lots of text floating around, right? Uh, you have lots of clinical documents, you have lots of Wikipedia notes, and you can actually train a neural network to consume these uh, text and basically say, look at the first two words and try to predict the th uh, next word. Uh, read the first three words and predict the fourth word. And you can actually develop a model, and this is called a language model. Uh, but it, more than a language model, what it is trying to learn is it's trying to learn the representation underneath these words, these concepts. And once you have these, you, uh, with less data, you can actually try to do more. So the idea is learn to predict different things uh, with, with massively available data with very little supervision, and then you transfer the concepts that you have learned and be able to uh, deal with less data and predict more things. Uh, coming back to the radiology side, what it means is, is there a way I can learn with lots of labeled data and then train on a smaller amount of data to uh, predict other things? So right now, uh, the way uh, radiology image recognition works may be like what speech recognition was 10 years ago, but the field is rapidly evolving. And there are two different forces here. One, you could have this notion of transfer learning, which will learn with less data. And, and then there is another, which is a field of experts, right? Uh, you can have an expert uh, for X-ray images, of ex expert for mammogram, and expert for, and just like you, uh, uh, you have a tumor board uh, of different experts coalescing around how to treat a particular cancer patient, uh, you could have a collection of experts, even though they may be narrow and deep, providing feedback uh, to the physician uh, to basically a field of experts uh, converging on helping you diagnose uh, different aspects of the disease. When you're talking about the, the field of experts, you mean an artificial intelligence field? Yes, artificial intelligence experts, a whole collection of these deep, deep networks turning around and helping uh, the physician. So each one of them may not be necessarily, may be good at doing just the mammogram or uh, uh, recognizing lesions, etc. But they can collectively, uh, as the field evolves and um, and in, in, the, in the area of dermatology, somebody has uh, uh, created deep learning networks which will diagnose 2,000 different diseases. So uh, even though the solutions which are being developed first tend to be deep, eventually they will get better and better at it. And so, you know, I, it's interesting as you talked about ways to overcome the the size of the data necessary to train machines to do this, because I understand that that's been one of the problems with some application of AI in in healthcare where uh, the cell sizes of the outcome become small enough that we can't really trust the accuracy of the machine. And so this sounds like this tra knowledge transference approach overcomes that. Is that theoretical or is that actually happening? No, it's not theoretical. It's, it's, a, it's an active area of research right now. Uh, uh, last year, in fact, there was a major breakthrough. Um, uh, Google released something called BERT and um, over a few months, 
the uh, the best the state of the art results in a whole variety of uh, language comprehension tasks and uh, basically you you use unsupervised learning techniques and created a huge model and uh, applied transfer learning for a range of comprehension tasks uh, this time i'm talking about advances in natural language understanding and uh, and comprehension and uh, related tasks which is which is at the center of a lot of different applications um, so it, it's not theoretical at all. It is actual. Uh, uh, it's an ongoing, exciting developments in the in the area of uh, the algorithmic side of the equation in AI right now. Are you aware of any forays into healthcare? Everybody is into healthcare. Uh, Google is applying these things to healthcare. Microsoft is uh, applying healthcare. Of course, we are in it as well. Healthcare is a huge focus for all of the types of technology we are talking about, and um, all the big players are in it as well as tons and tons of uh, uh, startups. Uh, I, I remember seeing uh, a picture from CB uh, Insights. They said in the last two years, there were like a few hundred startups in healthcare focused on almost every aspect of healthcare from uh, uh, wearable technologies to uh, data analytics and uh, all kinds of things. It makes me wonder about the ability to tease apart hyperbole from reality when i think about the number of startups which are which are really onto something versus uh, they look shiny and wonderful but don't really have much behind them i remember this uh, statistics very well um, one in 10 startups succeed so uh, we have a few hundred of them uh, maybe uh, a few of them will succeed and uh, which one is going to be the next google or twitter or uh, or Uber, who knows? But it is an exciting time in uh, in AI. One of the uh, advantages of being of, uh, in the field for four decades is I remember the internet bubble as well. So in the, in the early two thousand, God knows how many companies were there, <laughs> and uh, and they went up in smoke. Uh, but this time it feels different. Uh, it really feels different. Um, at that time, I used to think that uh, how in the world any of these companies is going to survive and thrive uh, and and uh, sure enough a lot of them failed i mean clearly uh, if you have a few hundred companies a majority of them are going to fail but healthcare is a huge area and uh, all these people are going after niche products right uh, there is a there is a conference on just variables happening uh, happened just a month ago with the apple watch and the uh, monitoring of ekgs and monitoring of falls um, there is a there is really a ton of applications just just monitoring and uh, getting the sense of how a person is at every aspect of the life. But the important thing, which has not been addressed in any significant fashion, is how do you coordinate all of these data points to actually affect a, a good outcome to the patient at the center of this or the person at the center of this. So there is all these silos of information. Um, it's just that we have more and more of it right now. That, that I got to say, is, is very interesting to me because when I think about the devices that can stream real-time information around oxygen saturation or blood glucose or blood pressure, you know, as, as a primary care physician, I think about that stream of data from one patient and my hair stands on end. I, I can't consume that. You know, I can I can barely consume the number of emails I get just asking questions, and I think, well, how in the world am I going to deal with that as as these devices come online and they start to push their way into my workflow? I you know I I want to run and hide. 
What do we do about that? That is an ex- excellent question. The reason I pointed out this is an unaddressed or underaddressed area. Somebody needs to b- develop algorithms and solutions which summarizes all of this information in a, in a meaningful fashion, right? I mean, uh, you're not going to be able to look at all of these things. So all these data streams have to be condensed, summarized, and and presented in a fashion which makes sense to uh, to whoever is it that is looking at it. And uh, there's probably a potential for another startup there. <laughs> I hope so. Jeepers. I mean, when I, when I think about the devices, I mean, it, it occurs to me that there needs to be some entity that consumes the raw information streaming and then creates a bunch of algorithms to say, this is all within normal. We'll have an automated response system that deals with that. And then, and then an escalation process that can eventually reach my eye as a clinician to say, hey, this person needs attention you know and, and and i would think that seems so straightforward that, that it would already be part of of the offering or is that not the case in your as you look at the field there are multiple problems there uh one is uh, the standardization of the information coming from all these multiple streams if each uh, uh each sensor or wearable technology uh, puts out its data in its own unique format it's not going to help so there needs to be a standardization uh, around what is sent and how it is sent. And then there is this willingness to share, right? Of course, uh, we have some regulation around information blocking. And so we are talking about all these streams of data. There is just tons and tons of data, right? You have, you have wearable data, you have data from uh, all the different things uh, happening around the patient uh, in his home setting. You have uh, data about his uh, genetics, his immunology, his uh, biomes, uh, and then you have the data from the EHRs, his clinic visits. Um, So all these data, somebody needs to summarize it. Number one, they are not in the same format, so there is some standardization needed. Number two, there, there is not a willingness to share for, uh, uh, you know, you're aware of the fact that uh, clinics and hospitals, uh, they put all these information blocking uh, and they don't share this information. So, uh, and then there is this uh, overarching privacy concern. And uh, all of this makes this problem particularly hard to solve in the current climate. That is rather daunting as I think about it. And yet at the same time, you know, there's got, there, there has to be some sort of solution because the promise is so great in terms of what can be done. When I think about the typical application of computer technology in the healthcare workflow, I think it's pretty commonly shared experience of, I have uh, drop-down fields I have to click, I have things that I have to do as a clinician, most of which I think is has little if nothing to do with the care of the person in front of me, and it's quite distracting, very frustrating. Uh, and so the promise of technology helping me out has been thwarted by the actual application in my in my work and yet now and again there's some there's some brilliance now and again there are pieces that seem to be quite good I, I appreciate your comments about the voice recognition it's certainly my experience now today that you know I can I can speak to my phone and see a text appear that uh, does a good job and even sometimes goes back initially proposes a word realizes in the context that it's inappropriate and fixes it to what I had actually said. And that's, it's pretty impressive. And this is not 
done through my phone connecting to, I presume, servers somewhere else. So there's a lot that, that can be done. I, I don't want to sound pessimistic. Uh, the technology to uh, help physician document uh, using speech and other solutions have advanced fairly significantly. So uh, uh, there are point solutions which have emerged which help a lot. Uh, nudging a person to do the right thing or uh, providing uh, clinical decision support and the like. The, the areas which involve getting a holistic view on the patient and the, uh, the synthesis of data streams across the board, uh, again, there is progress. The, there is the, uh, recently, uh, there is a good bit of uptick in uh, something called the HL7 FHIR standard, FHIR. And, uh, and that standard has been now, again, I, I'll mention the regulatory aspect of it, the, the government and the ONC is pushing towards the adoption of those standards, which is a good thing. So the the synthesis aspect and the summarization aspect is still has some ways to go, but point solutions, uh, giving abilities for the clinicians to document more effectively, uh, and the various solutions, which are uh, point solutions in AI, Actually, what they ultimately do is they augment the physician and uh, get him back some time. So he has the time to uh, provide the necessary care. Like uh, you were saying that being distracted by EHR, which is one of the major causes of burnout right now, um, uh, those aspects can be mitigated as we move forward. Well, you've given me a ray of hope. That's that's certainly what I think... I would like my colleagues to experience in the field as they start to see that there's something working to make their jobs a little bit easier, maybe filling a regulatory reporting requirement without requiring a clinician to uh, use pull-down menus and click boxes. I think that's been, there's been too much of that and too, and too little of technology that actually makes my work a little bit easier. So I, I, I hear a ray of hope. I hear point solutions. I'm hoping that there are more of them. I hope somebody listening to the podcasts says, I can take on this, this aggregation of information and algorithmically serve up information that streams all this together into a discrete data element that makes my job easier and helps me deliver great care for the person in front of me at the point of care. That would be terrific. Before we end, do you have any last words or recommendations on where we ought to go next, uh, where we need some breakthroughs? I remember um, Kurzweil wrote a book on singularity a while ago, and he predicted that um, that computers will uh, become super intelligence, and uh, it's called artificial general intelligence, at which point the, the computers will basically have figured out how to learn by themselves. And, uh, and rapidly become basically superhuman. We are very far away from it. I don't know if it is uh, 50 years or 30 years or 100 years, but for the foreseeable future, we are going to have, at least in healthcare, AI systems helping physicians. The nature of the jobs which the physicians do and the healthcare workers do is going to uh, obviously evolve as the technology uh, evolves and provides them more care, more uh, more care to be actually empathetic and more focused on taking care of patients. Uh, I'm genuinely optimistic about the evolution of the technology. The, the algorithmic side of the equation is evolving rapidly, uh, and it's daunting to actually keep up with 
the technology advances as it is happening right now. I, I see uh, papers posted almost every day uh, and it's almost impossible to keep up. But at the same time, it, it forebodes that, uh, that we are going to have real solutions uh, in the healthcare area. Uh, healthcare traditionally have been the slowest to adopt technology with the finance industry being the very first. Um, I, I hope that uh, that part is changing and with the advent of all of these, uh, uh, all these startups and technologies that you're going to see more real use cases uh, than just theoretical research papers. Well, I look forward to that as well. Chucky, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. For Inside Angle, this is Gordon Moore. You can find more podcast episodes at www.3mhisinsideangle.com. 